0: Well, good morning, friends. How is everyone doing on this very damp, damp, humid Sunday morning? Everybody good? Good, good. We don't let a little little rain dampen our spirits. Everybody have a good day yesterday. Big, big celebration yesterday, right? National Cookie Day, right? Hope you ate a cookie. And if you didn't, never fear because you can celebrate today. It's National International Ninja Day. So for all you martial artists, enjoy that. But I want to begin this morning by seeing how many of you recognize this. That's it. That's all we get. So you guys do recognize this, right? Okay, that's good, that's good. <laughs> that was a test of the emergency broadcast system. The broadcasters of your area, in voluntary cooperation with federal, state, and local authorities, have developed a system to keep you informed in the event of an emergency. If this had been an actual emergency, you would have been instructed where to tune in your area for news and official information. This was only a test. So you guys have heard this before, right? Maybe some of you younger folks, not so much. The emergency broadcast system was done away with and replaced by the emergency alert system in 1997, so we probably haven't heard this sound much lately. But these systems, both of these systems, were designed and implemented to disseminate important information, typically in the event of some sort of an emergency, like an attack on our country, an act of war, or maybe a natural disaster, situations in which normal channels of information distribution were just not good enough. Now we know that you can't just rely on the man on the street, word of mouth, nobody believes that. Besides, you guys have played that telephone game before where the message at the end doesn't sound anything like the message at the beginning. So word of mouth just doesn't work. So these systems were created to share accurate information with people. Now, believe it or not, believe it or not, God has his own emergency broadcast system of sorts. When he has a very important message to deliver to the world, any clues on how he does it? Anybody? Angels, right? Very often he will send angels with his important messages. Angels appear in over half of the books of the Bible. There's over 300 references to angels in the Bible. As a matter of fact, the word angel, as used in the Bible, means messenger. Their job is to deliver messages that God directs them to deliver. Messages that maybe wouldn't be believed if delivered by a prophet, a man. And have we seen that before? I mean, the Old Testament is loaded with examples where the prophets were just dismissed. The people didn't listen to the prophets by and large. But when angels spoke, when angels spoke, that was different. People usually listened. Because angels act as God's messengers. Now, they do have other functions as well. Their number one job is to bring glory to and worship God, very much like us, very much like us. But very often we see angels acting as messengers of God, sometimes bringing news that maybe isn't so good. For instance, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, it says, this will happen, meaning judgment day, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels... Or if you've read the book of Revelation, we see many references to powerful avenging angels. And those images are anything but pretty, anything but good. But very often, God uses them to bring good news. And that's going to be our focus this morning. In particular, the message that they brought announcing the birth of Christ, the Savior of of the world. Well, this is this is week 2 in our Christmas series, The Gifts of Christmas. This is the Advent season. And if you were with us last week, you remember that Kyle helped us to understand a little bit about what this season means. Now, for those of you who were not with us last week and maybe are still a little confused or are still unfamiliar with this liturgical calendar that we follow, let's remind ourselves what Advent really is. Now the word Advent is derived from the Latin word Adventus, which means coming. So most understand Advent to be a time of expectation, in particular, a time of looking forward to the birth of Jesus. And that was absolutely true for the nation of Israel. At the end of the Old Testament, at the book of Malachi, the nation of Israel was in exile. And there was a 400-year gap. One of the songs referred to that today. There was a 400-year gap from the end of the Old Testament to the birth of Christ. Nobody heard anything from God during that time. But the people, the nation of Israel, they waited and they hoped in prayerful expectation of the coming Messiah. Now they look back, they look back to God's faithfulness in the past, they look back very often to the Exodus, when God had led them out of Egypt, out of slavery, they look back at that, and they look forward to the coming of the Messiah, the Savior that would again rescue them. So the nation of Israel looked back, and they look forward, but that's only part of the story. Because the church today also looks back. But we look back at God's faithfulness in sending His Son. Because that actually happened some 2,000 years ago. And we look forward to, with great anticipation, the day that He returns to establish His eternal kingdom here on earth. Now last week we focused on the hope the hope that we have in what Jesus has done in our lives, in what Jesus is doing in our lives, and what Jesus will do in our lives and for all eternity. That is hope, and that is one of the gifts of Christmas. This week, we're going to look at the promise of peace, peace, the peace that we find in the message that the angels came to deliver. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 20. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, you can follow along. And this is a really familiar passage. You guys hear this every year, I'm sure. If you watch the Charlie Brown Christmas, right? Linus does this reading in the in the Christmas show. But what I want us to do is I want us to look at it with a fresh set of eyes, a fresh perspective, because there's a message in there for us today. So this this particular passage relates the story of the angels appearing to the shepherds. However, this is not the first time that we see angels in the Christmas story. And before we get to our scripture for today, I just want us to look at a few of those angel encounters Because I think there's some similarities, there's some differences in there that we can learn from. Now the first angel encounter that we see is in Luke chapter 1. There, an angel of the Lord appeared to a man called Zechariah. The angel appeared to him. The angel had a message for Zechariah. And when Zechariah saw the angel... Verse 12 of Luke chapter 1 tells us he was startled and he was gripped with fear. And can you blame him? I mean, if an angel appeared to me, I think I'd be kind of freaking out a little bit. But the angel told him, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. You and your wife are going to be parents. And it's interesting to see how Zechariah responds to this because he has some doubt. He doesn't really necessarily believe the message. His wife, Elizabeth, she's old, and he's old, and they've never had any children, so how can this be? But the angel assures them that this will happen, and it does happen. And nine months later, John the Baptist is born. Now, another encounter that we see also occurs in Luke chapter 1, this time with Mary. So, very similar to Zechariah, an angel of the Lord, Gabriel, appears to Mary. And again, her reaction is the same as Zechariah's. She too is greatly troubled and afraid. But the angel has a message, and the angel begins the message with what? Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. You found favor with God, and you are going to have a child. And we see that her, her reaction to this is very much similar to Zechariah's because there's a little bit of doubt that creeps in there, and she says, How can this be since I've never been with a man? So there's this doubt, but then Mary shows great faith, great faith, and incredible obedience to this message. She surrenders to the will of God and says in Luke chapter 1 verse 38, "I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled." Incredible faith in the message that the angel came to deliver. Elsewhere in Matthew chapter 1, we see an angel of the Lord once again appearing this time to Joseph. And this time he appears in a dream. Now, leading up to this point, Joseph had found out about Mary being pregnant, presumably since Mary had more than likely told him. Would have loved to have been around for that conversation. That would have been interesting. And Joseph, this really upset him because he was ready to divorce Mary, divorce her quietly, and step away from the situation. But but this angel appears to him in a dream and tells Joseph what? Do not be afraid. The angel tells him in verse 20, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, is this a shocking message coming from this angel for Joseph? Absolutely. Can you you put yourself in his shoes and try to process this? Absolutely impossible. However, however, it's very interesting to see how Joseph reacts to this message. Because he believes the message. He believes the message. And And then he acts on the message. He does something about it and he does what the angel tells him and he takes Mary home to be his wife. So this really brings us up to this angel encounter that encounter that we read in Luke chapter 2. So let's look at that real quickly. Luke begins in verse 8 by saying this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. So so here are these shepherds. they're, They're just hanging out in the field, watching these sheep that are in their care. And sheep, when they are awake, are pretty dull to begin with. At night, when they're sleeping... Absolutely nothing to do. So these, these shepherds are probably dozing off themselves, you know, maybe taking turns with the night watch. And then this angel shows up, and the whole sky is lit up. It says, The glory of the Lord shone, this bright light, the kind of bright light that surrounds the presence of the Lord himself. And of course, of course these guys are freaking out, right? They're afraid. And what does the angel say? Same thing he said to Zechariah. Same thing he said to Mary. Same thing that was said to Joseph in verse 10. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The angel's saying here, relax, relax, we've got good news. And this Greek word here that's translated good news is a word that means literally gospel. This angel is actually preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to these shepherds. Just as the prophets had predicted. Hundreds and hundreds of years prior. Prophets like Isaiah. And Jeremiah. And Micah. The Messiah is born. In the town of David. Which we know to be Bethlehem. The angel goes on to say in verse 12. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes. And lying in a manger. Now. This is not at all the kind of entrance that we would be expecting for the Messiah, for the conquering hero that the nation of Israel was anticipating. But remember, remember, the Son of God humbled himself. He humbled himself when he came to earth, and he was born in a stable and laid in a feeding trough. Suddenly, Luke goes on to say in verses 13 and 14, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. I mean, can you imagine this? Can you imagine? I mean, one angel was, was, was amazing enough. Now the sky is filled with them. A host, thousands and thousands of angels in this, and this incredibly bright light shining. The glory of the God lighting up the night sky. Just an awe-inspiring sight. And the angels are shouting, Glory to God in the highest heaven! This news was about the birth of Jesus. Jesus, the eternal, omnipotent Son of God, had just taken the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, as Paul says in Philippians chapter 2. And we know, we know that He came to bring us hope. We talked about that last week, hope in this world and hope for eternity. But you know, the angels tell us He also came to bring us peace. In fact, Isaiah tells us that this baby that's born, Jesus, is the prince of peace. Jesus came that we might have peace. He tells us himself in John chapter 14, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus came into this world to give us peace. And this peace, this peace that he gives, it's so much more than we understand the word to be. See, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Shalom. And the word shalom has such a deeper meaning than the English word peace. Because shalom speaks of a completeness. Shalom speaks of a deep contentment, a wholeness, so much more than simply the absence of conflict, which is how we understand the English word peace to be. And I don't have to tell you, friends, that peace is not easy to find in this world. Peace is elusive. And we, we look for it, don't we? We search for peace everywhere, but it seems like we just can't find it. The key, friends, to peace, the key to this shalom, this contentment, is found in the message that the angels delivered some 2,000 years ago. See, God's peace comes to those on whom his favor rests. What exactly does that mean? I mean, Jesus wants to give me peace. I want peace. How does that work? Well, quite honestly, friends, it all starts with peace with God. You see, Jesus can make things right with your Creator, the God of the cosmos. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. We know that. If you're honest with yourself, you will admit and agree with Paul from Romans that we are all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. We are separated from a holy and perfect God by our sin. Our only hope... Our only hope, and we talked about this hope last week, our only hope of reconciliation with God is in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us all this, meaning the hope and the peace that we can have, is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Friends, when we place our faith in Jesus... We're reconciled with God. We are justified. Ooh, there's a good theology 101 word. Everybody, write that down. We are justified. We are made perfect before God. The righteousness of Christ, that perfect, sinless life that He lived, is imputed to us. It is is as if we had lived that life ourselves. And the result? Well, Romans 5 makes it clear. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, when we have peace with God, when things are right with God, we can have peace within ourselves. We can have peace within. And again, when we look around at this world today, this could... You could could be worried. You could be anxious. You could be apprehensive about what's going on. But what did Jesus say in John chapter 14? We looked at this before. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus is saying, I got this. I got this. No matter what's happening in this world, I don't care what it is. Divisions, nation rising up against nation, political infighting, persecution, war, a global pandemic. And it doesn't matter what's going on in your little world either. It doesn't matter if you're facing health issues or financial issues or family issues. Jesus is saying, I got this. I got this. It doesn't matter what the problem is. God has the peace for it. 790 verses in the Bible describing God's peace. Friends, all of the world's problems find their answer in Jesus Christ and His peace. And make no mistake, His peace will see you through any trial, any tribulation. doesn't matter what it is. You know, this summer we spent a lot of time looking at Colossians, and in Colossians chapter 3 there's a verse there that, that I, just, I, I just live for these days. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's what I live for. I want to let the peace of Christ rule in my heart. That is peace within. And Paul goes on to say, since as members of one body you are called to peace. So Paul is talking about peace within, but he's also talking about peace with others. And it's very much like God's grace and God's mercy and God's love. God's peace pours down on us. His peace fills us to overflowing and then God's peace permeates every aspect of our lives. That's the peace of God. And that is the message the angels came to deliver some 2,000 years ago. The question is, is how do we respond? And that may be the most important part of this entire equation is how we respond to this message. Well, let's quickly take a look at how the shepherds responded. Verse 15 and 16. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. So two things really quickly here. Two things. First, they believed. They believed what the angels told them. They believed the message. And after an experience like that, Got to be honest with you, I think I probably would have believed as well. Angels delivering that kind of a message, they believed. But then they acted. They acted. They did something about it, and they acted without hesitation. They said, let's go. Let's go check this out. And they went to Bethlehem, and they found the child, just like the angel said. So the shepherds believed, and they acted. And that's great, but it doesn't stop there. In verse 17, it says, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. So the shepherds believed the message. And the shepherds acted on the message. And then they spread the good news of the message. They spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, our Savior, born in Bethlehem. Help me. Let it go. Let it go. Don't stop it. Don't stop the message. Uh Uh-uh. Okay, now you can stop it. That, friends, was not a test. This is the real thing. The God of the cosmos, the creator of the heavens and the earth, has a message for all of mankind. And it is the same message delivered by the angels some 2,000 years ago. Jesus is the Prince of Peace and He is offering peace to all who believe. The only question is how will you respond? What character that we've looked at this morning best typifies where you feel like you're at? Are you like Zechariah? Are you are you doubting and, and 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 denying the message? Friends, don't let doubt Stand in the way of the truth about Jesus. Don't let doubt stand in the way of your peace. Are you like Mary? Maybe you two kind of, you're a little uncertain, you kind of doubt the message, but you're ready to surrender. If you're looking for peace, I urge you to believe on Jesus as your Savior. Do it today. Do it today. Do not wait. Maybe you feel like Joseph. You're ready to accept the message and act. Joseph showed incredible faith in the message that he received. The question is, what is God asking you to do today? Whatever it is, I encourage you to respond in faith and act. I call it the Nike theory. Just do it. Because there you'll find peace. But friends, my prayer is that we would all respond to God's message like the shepherds. That's my prayer for Hope Church. I pray that we would believe the message and not only act on the message, but go into all the world and spread the message, spread the good news of Jesus Christ, spread the message of peace. The shepherds shared the story of the manger. Now it's our job to broadcast The message of Christmas. So, who's Jesus prompting you toward to share this reason for the season? Who can you point to the Savior of the world, the Prince of Peace? Maybe it's as simple as just asking him to join us this holiday season. Grab an invite card and ask him to come. What's the worst that could happen? They say no. So what? You did your job. Friends, we know the key to peace in this world and peace for all eternity. Peace, true shalom, is one of the gifts of Christmas and it is only available through faith and believing in Jesus. Let's believe in, act on, and broadcast this message of peace. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and, oh, Lord, we just praise you and thank you so much that you love us enough to send your Son into this world. He humbled himself, he died on a cross for our sins, and he came to give us peace. Lord, I pray that we would all believe in the message of Jesus Christ, that we would act on the message. And that we would spread that message to the rest of this world. Father, hear our prayer for it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.